0: Today on Act News
1: Daily.
2: There's a big argument, Delaney, that this carryout's going to be closer to a billion bushels. Some people argue less than that, but it's definitely probably going to get tighter. The bean number is even more tighter when you consider what's going on. The government's projecting the bean carryout at 120 million bushels.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Hashtag Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, we're going to be talking to Jim McCormick of agmarket.net coming up a little bit
1: later on in the podcast. But how are you doing today on this Monday afternoon? I'm doing all right. Not much has happened since we last spoke. I mean, I went and did bridesmaid dress shopping this weekend. And I think that's probably the most exciting part of my weekend which really is not saying very much. Well Ashton uh, we
0: had some really good weather so far this weekend in Des Moines area just outside of Des Moines where I live and we went golfing on Sunday afternoon had some really nice weather pretty warm a little windy but not too bad and then I woke up this morning Ashton
1: to some snow flurries so that's how my Monday has started off today. Oh, my goodness. I was worried that we were going to see some snow flurries or something because when our weather conversation last week with Eric Snodgrass, he mentioned that the Texas Panhandle could see some snow. But luckily, Lubbock didn't get any. However, got a notification on my phone last night, a weather notification saying that we might see some below freezing temperatures earlier this morning. But honestly, I wasn't up early enough to even see if we did get below freezing. So unfortunately, can't report on that for you today. Well, you're lucky because I woke up and I saw that and I really,
0: it's just very frustrating, especially not just for me, but for farmers that are trying to get into the fields, you know, soil temperatures haven't really had the opportunity to get super warm. And then we have, I mean, the snow that we had was really light. It already is pretty much melted everywhere. So it's not like covering the ground by any means, but
1: it's pretty chilly today you know, it's been a little bit cold in Lubbock for the past few days. Um, but I think that we're on the up and up and getting more into that springtime weather, which I'm really excited for. That is certainly nice.
0: I thought that spring was around the corner here as well. And then, you know, mother nature has to trick us a little bit, but yeah, hopefully we're pretty much on the right track here to get, uh, get spring rolling. And as we see things getting rolling, we'll have, of course, the crop progress plantings report that comes out later this afternoon. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow on the podcast. But Ashton, in the meantime, what news are you watching today?
1: Well, I've got some carbon news. I'm not sure if folks are kind of tired of hearing about carbon or not, but the Bayer Carbon Program is expanding to provide farmers with ways to generate additional revenue and implement climate-smart farming practices. According to company officials, benefits are going to include the potential for improving soil health that can result in increased yields and profitability of farmers' operations. Now, new enhancements for the 2021 through the 2022 program season include eligibility for farmers who have adopted strip or no-till or cover crops on fields on or after January 1st, 2012. And we've heard farmers talk about, you know, the inclusion of them if they've already done some of these practices and so it looks like the bayer program is extending you know a helping handout to those farmers who did voice their concerns about that i'm not sure how they'll prove they incorporated these practices before that january 1st 2012 mark but in addition to the nine states that were part of the program's first year new states where growers are now eligible to participate include wisconsin south dakota nebraska Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana, Maryland, and Delaware. Well, that sounds like a good expansion there to that program,
0: Ashton. But I'm going to take things back to the weather here, talking about weather for just one more story. Because we've seen not only freezing and cold temperatures here in Iowa and other states, but also in the Southern Great Plains, which analysts and meteorologists are suggesting could harm Wheat growing in those areas of Oklahoma and Texas. Ashton, you might not be out of the clear yet because temperatures could plummet overnight tonight, Monday into Tuesday and linger through Wednesday, according to the National Weather Service. And they're issuing a hard freeze warning for parts of Texas and Oklahoma panhandle. So you might not get it. Maybe your folks will, Ashton. But they're saying that these conditions could harm growing the growing season for wheat grown in that area. And all the way into potentially some of Kansas. Southern Kansas could see some frost emerge. And some problems linger for folks trying to grow wheat. So...
1: Yikes. Yikes, indeed, Delaney. I really hope that we don't see too harsh of that cold weather here in Lubbock. I mean, we're in the panhandle, but like we're towards the lower part of it. So hopefully they're just talking about those folks up closer to the Oklahoma, Colorado border up there. Uh, But my heart goes out to those farmers that are having to deal with this kind of weather. I know it's probably frustrating at this point. But another thing that is kind of been a little bit frustrating to deal with is COVID-19 aid to producers. There's been a lot of questions, some bumps along the road between the transition of the Trump administration and the Biden administration. But the new administrator to the Farm Service Agency, Zach Duchanel, said that USDA has been conducting a thorough review of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. And farmers and ranchers should expect the next round of aid in late summer to early fall. Administrator Duchanel was co- quoted as saying for the program components based on this analysis, they're going to go out in what we call a mega rule. We don't look for that rule to even be published until maybe July 1st, and then it would be payments hopefully late summer or early fall. He also added that the Biden administration is rebranding CFAP as the Pandemic Assistance to Producers Program, and there will be about $6 billion available in the next round. Sign up for the pandemic assistance reopened the first week of April and U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Bilsack has said producers will have at least 60 days to enroll. So this is just another I don't want to call it a, a bump in the road, but I feel like the rebranding of CFAP to the pandemic assistance to producers program is just going to confuse people.
0: Yeah, it's just one more program acronym, whatever we have to remember. But Ashton, with this new program, do producers have to reapply for it? Or
1: if they uh, were uh, if they applied for like CFAB, for instance, what does it grandfather them in? I think it just grandfathers them in. I honestly think that they're just giving this a new title. I don't think really anything else in terms of eligibility or anything like that is going to affect producers. I think if they continue to sign up um, or re-enroll that started back at the beginning of April, I think this is just the same thing from my understanding. I mean, Administrator Duchanel said that this mega rule, which I'm really interested in learning about, isn't going to be published until maybe July 1st. Mm -hmm. It sounds like things are just getting a slow roll once again.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That
1: is quite a ways away
0: still then. Uh, Ashton, while we're talking about things that are a ways away, we thought that Chinese rebuilding of African or rebuilding of their hog herd after African spine fever was going to be a long ways out. But China is now saying that they're at about a 97% recovery rate when it comes to their sow herd. And according to their national Bureau of statistics, as of April 16th, they said their hog herd was estimated to reach 416 million head at the end of the first quarter here on March 31st. And they show that they're up about 2.3% compared to the previous quarter. So that data is a little questionable in my mind. But that, like I said, that data does show or indicate that the breeding sow herd is about 97% recovered
1: compared to where they were in 2018 pre-ASF. Well, Delaney, I'm glad that you bring up China because I have some news coming from China as well. Well, a little bit of news, I should say, it kind of incorporates into another little segment that I have. But China, I don't know if you know this, Delaney, admits the most greenhouse gases of any country in the world, and the U.S. is second. So it's been reported that the U.S. and China have agreed to cooperate on climate change and, you know, making those initiatives However, it's unclear if China's president is going to participate in an international summit later this week hosted by President Biden. Biden is expected to release new emissions reduction targets for the Paris Climate Accord and a pledge of financial help for less wealthy countries combating climate change. Forty world leaders have been invited to that virtual climate summit that I mentioned that's going to take part this Thursday and Friday. Thursday is Earth Day. So it kind of just makes sense that Biden is holding this this week. I am hoping that we get a little bit of reports later in the week once this does happen and we get to take a little bit of a further look into the conversations that these countries or these world leaders are going to be having because I'm interested to see how all these countries interact with one another when it comes to climate change. I mean, I think I really think that we've only been talking about how the Biden administration has been trying to tackle this since he stepped into office. So I'm excited to see how this all plays out. I certainly am as
0: well, Ashton. And the other thing I'm excited to see was how the markets played out for today. What do you say we run through closes before we talk to Jim? Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, we certainly had markets playing out today higher. Thankfully in the grain markets, a little lower in Chicago wheat today, but kicking things off here in the May corn contract up six and a half cents to close at 592 92, the December up eight cents to close at five ninety-two. The December up eight cents to close at five twenty and a quarter in soybeans today, the May contract up 16 and a half cents to close at 14 and three quarters. The November up 10 cents to close at 1284 even. In the Chicago wee pits, the May contract down just a quarter of a cent to close at 652 and a quarter. Of the July down a penny and a quarter to close at 653 and three quarters. Taking a look at the livestock markets today, the cattle complex sold off today as the June live cattle contract shed 57 and a half cents to close at 118.60. The August down 50 cents to close at 118.65. And in feeder cattle, they may contract down a dollar twenty five today to close at one forty two forty seven and a half the August down a dollar seventy seven and a half to close at one fifty two seventy seven and a half. Lean hogs today, however, were higher as the May contract closed up $3.17 and a half cents to close at 105.65. The June up $2.62 and a half cents to close at 104.32 and a half. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the Class 3 dairy milk futures, the May contract adding a dime today to end at 1914. The June up just four pennies to close at 1910. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Jim McCormick. Well, as promised, we are chatting with Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. Jim, you're lucky. It sounds like you're going to miss the snow flurries.
2: Yes, we are. I mean, earlier in the week, they were talking, or late last week, we were saying we were in the multiple inch carrot category. Right now, it like most of that snow is going to stay south of I-80. I'm north of I-80, about 10 miles from the Wisconsin border. So it is going to be cold. Uh, you know, nothing's really uh, been planted around here for the most part. Everyone's been waiting for this cold snap to end. Uh, but yeah, it feels like uh, spring just doesn't want to quite come yet here in the Chicago region.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we were just talking about this a little bit earlier on in the podcast, but there's also going to be potential cold temperatures and even freeze in parts of Texas and Oklahoma, which could put some wheat crop under stress. What are you hearing and what are you seeing as far as the markets reacting to this news?
2: Well, I would agree. I mean, I've seen some temperatures that say you're going to get that cold, not just in Texas, but you're going to see some pretty cold temps move into parts of central Indiana, even in Ohio, that might do a little bit of damage to some of the soft red wheat crop. But for the most part, at least to begin the week, we're not seeing a whole lot of concern about the market, you know, in the wheat market, which is a little bit surprising, but we'll see what kind of damage if we do have damage done here in the next couple of days, Uh, something that we definitely need to watch out for. Because... This crop's already dealing with some drought issues, the spring wheat. A lot of people are arguing that we're not going to get to spring wheat acres because of the dryness issues there and the price of corn and beans. You also have some dryness issues in Europe, which could cause this wheat crop to continue to shrink up. So uh, if it would get clipped by the wheat, by a frost freeze, uh, that's definitely not what we want to see. And I would expect the market to react positively if that frost freeze does uh, actually hurt, hurt the crop.
0: Jim, how much of a reaction, though, can we really see? Because there's the old adage, you know, that if we're not producing wheat or harvesting wheat, someone else around the world is.
2: Well, right now, when you look at just how tight the supply is specifically in this wheat, like you said, there's a lot of competition in the world for wheat right now. But the thing to kind of keep in mind right now, the projected world ending stocks are around 295 million metric tons. They were down from 301 last month, down from 300 the year before that. So the stocks continue to tighten. The fact of the matter is that when you look at the world corn supply, they continue to tighten. China is essentially stopped feeding corn. They're now feeding wheat. So the world's going to kind of keep an eye on the overall feed as in a, you know, wheat as almost a feed grain. So if that does start to challenge and the wheat crop is there, it's just does it bring some wheat away from feeding and bringing the corn back into the mix. So even though there's a lot of competition, it's something we do need to keep an eye on.
0: Jim, another thing that I've been keeping an eye on has been some of these basis prices we've been seeing around the country, specifically in the corn market, but also a little bit in soybeans as well. You know, I've seen bids anywhere from $6 to even, I, I think there was one I saw on Twitter, a picture that was somewhere near north of $7 and that's crazy to me that that folks are willing to pay that much for corn right now. But what are you hearing? And at what point do we see the basis start to shrink back down a little bit here?
2: Well, what you're seeing, folks, right now is that, like I said, the basis is doing phenomenal run right now, but it's doing the heavy lifting at this point in time. The reality is right now is the old crop grain, there's just not a lot left. I mean, the fact of the matter is the government tells us it thinks it's going to the U.S. corn carryout is going to be about 1.35 billion bushels. Uh, Assuming China takes delivery of all the grain they bought or a big chunk of it, there's a big argument, Delaney, that this carryout is going to be closer to a billion bushels. Some people argue less than that, but it's definitely probably going to get tighter. The bean number is even more tighter when you consider what's going on. The government's projecting the bean carryout at 120 million bushels, but the reality is the only reason we're going to have 120 million bushels of bean carryout, folks, is because the government's counting on us to import 35 million bushels from either Brazil or Canada. Canada, probably roughly 15, and Brazil, the other 20. So the, your your stocks are down to the bottom of the barrel. So the fact of the matter is whatever producers have left, they really are holding on tight. So the basis is doing everything they can to entice whatever bushels are left to be marketed out of the farmer's hands. And that should remain strong until maybe the board moves. Because what historically happens, Delaney, is when the board market, if the board's not moving fast enough to get the beans to move or the corn to move, and the bean's a classic example. We have not, you know, the bean market's been in a sideways range since the beginning of the year. As these supplies are tightening up, the base is continuing to firm to pull that grain out. Now, if the market breaks out of this sideways pattern, which I think the odds are high it will, and it makes a strong move, let say to $15 beans, what will happen then I would expect is that strong basis you're seeing right now will start to back off because the board will do the heavy lifting of trying to entice grain to market. Same thing will happen in the corn market. If the corn market starts to bid up on the futures, I would expect the basis to weaken a little bit at least.
0: Yeah. And walk me through that scenario of $15 soybeans. I mean, we're not that far off and $6 corn, especially in the front month, you know, that's, Maybe not out of the question, but how quickly can we expect to see some of these prices or what's it going to take for us to break out of this range and see potentially $6 corn or $15 beans?
2: Well, if you look at it right now, the May corn got up to, you know, hit six last week briefly and then it kind of backed off of it. I think what will happen is we could see a little bit of a pullback at any time just based on the fact we're getting this crop planted. But then if you look at where we're at, how critical the supply is, how tight it is, any kind of a hiccup, I think you'll start seeing this market start pushing back up. The fact of the matter is you're looking at a bean stocks to use at 2.6% stocks to use with those import numbers. Historically, when you have stocks to use this tight, beans get into $15, $16 are not out of the question. When you're looking at a corn stocks use right now at 9.2% and probably tightening up closer to 9%, when you look historically, we've had stocks use that tight, you should get this corn market probably closer to the 625 to 650 level. I would guess that you could see that if the market gets any kind of a sense that this crop is in any kind of a trouble, any kind of trouble, because the fact of the matter is we need every acre the government has planted on, said we're going to plant, and we actually need trend yields just to meet the current demand expectations.
1: Yeah, And that
0: certainly uh, could paint an ugly picture this summer if we do have any sort of weather issues. But Jim, I want to turn our attention here for a moment to the cattle markets, which have sold off now, I want to say like six or seven sessions in a row. Have we put in a high
2: I don't believe so. I think this is a temporary high. Uh, you know, we've had a pretty nasty. I think today was day eight of the market selling off. Technically, though, the, bee, the, the June cattle went right down to the 100-day moving average and bounced off of it. Uh, it didn't close higher on the day, but it was quite a bit off the lows. Hopefully, that's a good sign. But I think you know we might have just kind of got a little bit over our skis on the excitement of the market. Near term, that combined with the hogs, the hog market was on a tear. It's corrected pretty hard on rumors or talk that maybe China's hog herd has has replenished quicker than some people thought. I, I don't know if you can take that hog number for for uh, you know certain in China. Let's face it, a lot of the data out of China is very conflicting. But when you look at the overall economy. And how we're opening back up. I think right now they said over half the Americans right now have all had their first vaccine shot. As more and more people get vaccinated, I think you're going to see people continue to open up the economy. As people start opening up the economy, they're going to go out to eat, and you're going to see that demand on the retail side of the equation bring the market back up. On the macro front, the dollar continues to weaken. And as that dollar continues to weaken, it'll also make us more competitive on the international side for the exports. So I think that'll also fuel it. So I think the odds are high that we have not seen the highs in either the hogs or the cattle and this is more of a correction in an overall bull market
0: well that is certainly some very bullish uh sentiment then for the lean hog market you know i think they topped out somewhere around the 106 107 area but if we've still got some steam left in the tank how much higher do you think this lean hog market can go
2: well i mean that's really challenging i mean i i think you know like I said, 106, 107, I think you can get to the 110 plus level. A lot's going to just depend on how quick everything opens up. But, you know, if you look at kind of where the market's at, Delaney, just the psychology of what's going mm-hmm. on in the world right now. We are a flush in money right now. I want to point to people's attention to Lumber. Uh, the lumber market just is literally gone crazy. You got the lumber today trading at 1326. The previous record is around 600. So we're double the previous all time high. Part of it is the feeding frenzy of people buying houses. And part of it's just suspect money pouring into the situation. So if you get a situation where the market is convinced that there's grain markets in trouble, you can see a lot of money just keep flooding into the grain market. Same thing for the livestock sector. If you start seeing demand continue to go and the economy really go higher, a lot of people are looking for GDP growth to be some of the best we've seen in 20, 30 years. And that just is gonna influx money into the situation and push it higher. And it makes it trying to call a top that much harder. But like I said, the over as old line says, the trend is your friend. And the trend at this point still seems to be higher in both, both the hogs and the cattle.
0: Jim, since you mentioned the lumber market, I want to ask you a little bit more about that because I've been watching that as well. And you look at interest, it's obviously cheap. It lends itself to wanting to build or buy a home, but then the lumber price is not so much. What is pushing that move higher?
2: Well, right now it's a combination of supply constraints, uh, you know, from the tariffs and the trade war is part of it. Part of it is just the logistics of moving lumber around the world, uh, due to, you know, capacity, uh, a lot of, you know, shipping issues have developed. And then part of it is just the housing market is on fire, plain and simple. Um, I know, you know, if you look what's going on here in Chicago region, um, you've actually got houses that are stuck for higher than the appraised value. So as that happens, it's just trying to get people to come in here and start building the houses, but it's a catch 22. If you have to if you are looking to build a house or a barn of wood right now, the reality is you're going to get a sticker shock as to what the prices are. Now eventually this will all come back in line, I would guess, hopefully sooner than later. I would guess that we're close to the top, just how the parabolic move has been. Uh, but right now, it's probably not the time to add on to your house <laughs> or build a deck, in my opinion. I would yeah. guess it would get a little bit cheaper down the line. But, it's, it just, but like I said, I just want to point out, Delaney, it's just how crazy this market can get when you get to kind of emotion. You know, Look what happened to some of the main stocks, You know, GameStop, that type of emotion there is so much money slushing around the markets right now. If you can get the market's attention, it, it's amazing how fast it can go. And remember, you know, on the grain specifically, we've expanded the amount of positions these funds can carry. I mean, they were at a capped out about 33,000 contracts of corn. Now it's 57,800. You know, beans went from 15,000 contracts to 27,300. Wheat went from 12,000 contracts to 19,300. So when you look at these, what was record positions, those aren't even close to what could be record positions. So we just were kind of a new era. And with the kind of money that's out there, uh, you know, any kind of a weather issue could send the grain market just to levels that no one ever would have thought po- probable just a year or two ago, plain and simple.
0: Yeah, no kidding. It's certainly a wild ride. And hopefully folks are on the right side of that. But if they're not, they have questions, they want to talk markets a little bit more with you, how can they get a hold of you?
2: They can reach me directly at 815-665-0461, or they can reach any of the ag market team members at 844-424-6758.
0: Fantastic. Well, Jim, thanks again for joining us today to chat markets.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Well, again, a big thank you there to Jim for joining us today to chat markets. Yeah, and as he was saying there, now is definitely not a good time to be doing a lot of house renovations or deck projects with lumber skyrocketing like that. I can't believe it's gotten up this high.
1: Well, lucky for me, I'm just a renter, so (laughs) I don't have the responsibility of doing any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, certainly not. It's a double-edged sword. That's for sure. But folks, I tell you what, we're going to be having a great conversation tomorrow for our hashtag tech Tuesday interview. So do stay tuned for that. But if you missed any past episodes of the Agnews Daily podcast, you can find us at agnewsdaily.com. Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.